You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesdays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Face all your fears, then get at me. It's so many donuts on them back streets. Sit so high in the nosebleeds. Feel like I can fly. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, my man, how are you doing? Yes, sir. What's good? What's good? What's good? It's good to be back here on the Nosebleeds, man. Uh, feels like the weeks just be going by so fast. The days be going by so fast because, man, uh, of April, <laughs> all of a sudden look up on the calendar and it's draft day <laughs> yeah it is drafting that's what we're gonna get into because we haven't talked about the nfl in a minute about the off season that's happened there's just so much going on but uh we're here to talk about the nfl today in this entire episode we're just going to be talking about that so let's get it started let's start off with on this day because we haven't done that in a minute and uh, since it is draft day today there was a couple other drafts that took place on april 29th First one was 1980, where uh, Billy Sims, Oklahoma running back, was taken by the Detroit Lions. He won Rookie of the Year. In his rookie year, he tallied 1,900 yards and 16 total touchdowns. So, hell of a rookie year. Not bad, not bad. He was a three-time Pro Bowler. And then the year after that, in 1981, uh, George Rogers, the South Carolina running back, was taken first overall by the Saints. His rookie year, 1,700 yards, 13 touchdowns. He did end up winning a Super Bowl in his career, two-time Pro Bowler. So a nice little career for him. And then 1986, we all know this guy, Mr. Bo Jackson from Auburn, was taken by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you guys didn't know, he actually declined to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, play baseball instead. If you guys do not know Bo Jackson's story, go to ESPN, look up the 30 for 30. You don't know Bo one of my favorite documentaries, sports documentaries that I've seen. And to this day, he is, in my opinion, the greatest athlete of all times. And th- in terms of like athleticism, um, is that that's Bo Jackson for me. And then in 2006, the most recent draft on this day, we had Mario Williams, North Carolina State defensive end taken by the Texans. He had five years uh, where he recorded double digit sacks and he was a four time Pro Bowler. So some very notable names that were taken first overall on April 29th. Are we going to have another one this year in we'll 2021? See. We'll, see. we'll see. We will see. But before we get into draft day, let's talk about the NFL because we didn't talk about the offseason. So we're going to go through each division, talk about the biggest winners and losers before the draft. So let's get it started. AFC East, who is your biggest winner in this division, Corey? My So a lot of people will probably say the Patriots because of all their different offseason moves. But I think that depends on what they do in the draft and depends on like if they're able to get a quarterback. I know they brought back Cam Newton uh, on a one-year deal, and they definitely reshaped their team. And then they also got some guys coming back as well because they weren't available because they decided to opt out for the 2020 season. But I'm actually go with the Bills, man, because I feel like the Bills were one game away 
from making it to the Super Bowl and, you know, just came up against a better team in the Chiefs. But they, I think, strengthen up and they're still yet again the favorites to win this division. I still believe they still have, I think, right now, you could say the best quarterback in the division and Josh Allen, who I think, you know, was on pace to potentially have an MVP caliber year last year. And maybe this could be his his MVP season, to be honest with you. This could be the chance where he decides to really show people like last year wasn't a fluke. Last year was not, you know, just one and off one one off season or whatever. Like I think he has the potential to maybe show Bills fans and the rest of this division that hey, like the Bills are for real and Bills Mafia should definitely be proud of that. And I think they should be proud of the the offseason that they had, really, to be honest with you. Yeah, definitely helps that Brian Dabble, their offensive coordinator, did not get signed as a head coach. So that definitely helps them this upcoming season. For the winners, I'm going to surprise some people. I'm going to say the Jets got a brand new head coach in Robert Sala, traded Sam Darnold, got a second round for him. They have two first round picks this upcoming draft at number two and number 23. And uh, I think they brought in some nice young uh uh, wide receivers with good upside when you talk about Corey Davis and Keelan Cole to go along with their youngsters in Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder so whoever that quarterback they're going to draft that number two he'll definitely have uh, some nice weapons and then they also brought in Tevin Coleman who I have always liked but this dude has made a glass and but if <laughs> if he can yeah. stay healthy a giant if mm-hmm. uh, it, it could be an underrated signing for them and then they also helped out the defense getting Carl Lawson Gerard Davis LaMarcus Joyner. So I think if they can hit on their draft picks, not only the early ones, but later in the draft, um, I think they could have more of the more of a silent but deadly offseason and and uh, could surprise some teams this uh, upcoming season. Let's talk about losers. Who you got for losers in this division? I think they weren't necessarily a loser, but I think it's still to be determined on whether or not uh depending on what they do in the draft and whether or not they're able to make a trade or something like that. I say the Patriots just because of the fact of like bringing back Cam Newton, you know, as a viable option. Yeah. You can maybe say like, you know, give him another year to be able to be under the system. But if you look at their quarterback room right now, it's not all that impressive. And we kind of understand that like one of their biggest Achilles heels was at the quarterback position and just offensively like they struggled to generate offense and with julian edelman deciding to hang it up offensively you kind of look at what they're looking like going into this upcoming season it's not all that scary and it's not that typical you know patriots machine type offense that we're used to seeing so depending on what they do in the draft depending on if they move up depending on if they make a deal to you know bring in maybe you know garoppolo or whoever's on the trade market or maybe they try to fleece atlanta and try to get julio jones (laughs) so i mean you know uh it, it all depends but so far i'm i've been impressed with you know, the signings that they've made, yes, but I still think that the offense is still kind of lacking a little bit. And unless they fix that going into the season right now, um, I think the Patriots are primed for, I would say, nine and seven to maybe 10 and six at best, at best. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Even if they do go out and get Julio Jones, do they really have a quarterback that can throw to him? We're just not going to overthrow Julio Jones because overthrowing Julio Jones is a tough task to do in itself. But I'm right there with you. I got the Patriots. Um, 
I well, first of all, in this division, I don't think there's any real losers. I yeah, think exactly, I think every single exactly. team in this division had a good offseason. But since we do have to pick one, I'd say the Patriots. I like a lot of the moves they made, but right. I think it was uh they, they just spent a lot of money and they just they had the cap space and they decided to just fruitlessly spend the money. And I think that could bite them in the offseason next year because they got Stefan Gilmore, Dante Hightower, Devin McCourty, Trent Brown, Cam Newton, J. J.C. Jackson, Adrian Phillips, and James White, all key pieces of part of their team that are going to be free agents come next year. And there's so, already been rumors that Stefan Gilmer might be on the block. Exactly. So free up cap space and maybe like they get some uh, some offensive help. So I mean, And you can argue that he's the best corner in the league right now, but he just won yeah. defensive player of the year last exactly. year. Not this exactly. past year, but the year before that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so that would be the only reason why I would say they're, I wouldn't even call them blue. I call them the lesser of the winners in the division. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause that, like you said, it's kind of weird that they spent so much money because we haven't like, they haven't been in a position to really do that, you know, for quite some time, because for so long, it's kind of just been like, they've been so top heavy in the salary cap that they just kind of like reloaded more so than just full on, just going crazy and going ham and free agency. But um, I think this is maybe a, a new era we're seeing in the Patriots where they're going to maybe have to do whatever they possibly can to try to, you know, convince their fan base and convince people that, hey, you still have to respect it. Almost like the Spurs in a way, like, you know, like when the Spurs were still making those moves of giving DeMar DeRozan, getting LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, it's still like we're not like the the, the same team that we were with Duncan, Ginobili and Parker. But we're still, you know, going to always be in that conversation to get into the playoffs and always make teams frustrated. So I think the Patriots are going to be in that same sort of boat. Yeah, for sure. I think they got a lot of weapons on offense. But then again, it's who's lining up under center, if they can even get them the ball or whatever that's going to happen come this draft. Let's move on. We got the AFC North. Let's talk about winners. Who do you have? I think the biggest winners so far, so far, um, I like what the Ravens did this offseason. I really do. I really do. And I think uh, the trade rumors that are kind of surrounding or, you know, speculation of them, I guess, maybe deciding to move off Lamar Jackson are absolutely ridiculous. And if they did that, I mean, like. What, where were they talking that on, about that on? What network? Yeah. Well, well, like FS1 and like ESPN, they were like exactly, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, so I'm just they're saying, just yeah, doing yeah, it for yeah, the yeah, for yeah, the yeah, clicks yeah. and everything. Exactly, exactly. So I mean, that's just, but still, like I, I just, just, for, just to, you know, just for sake of you know, just putting it out there, I just think it's dumb if they decided to actually do that. I'm like, yo, why would you get rid of a guy who is the MVP and who really, honestly, hasn't played with an OC that has been able to, I think, surround him with you know, guys who I think who can can help him elevate. Because I think that their wide receiving core is all right. But if they get a Julio Jones, like it takes it to a whole different level. You get a Julio Jones in there and it's like, yo, it goes to a whole different level. But I'd say out of everybody, I mean, the Steelers right now, I, I, I'm I still trying to figure out what they're doing. I mean, they, they're still rolling it out with Juju, Big Ben and the crew that went undefeated. But we saw them get exposed toward the later stages of last season and in the playoffs Browns. I feel like, you know, did pretty well. Um, but I, I feel like the Ravens, man, I think a lot is 
kind of building up on the shoulders of Lamar Jackson. I think a lot of people are kind of waiting for him to to push this team to the at least an AFC championship. I think that's the the big goal this season for them to get at least that far because sometime some some point or another people are going to start saying like, you know, when is he going to help, you know, lift this team or push them into, you know, not only, you know, uh like but not only like have them be good in the regular season or great in the regular season, but have them be in that AFC championship game or in the Super Bowl. So I think this this offseason has really helped them out. I think they got some good pieces, especially in that Chiefs trade. They were able to get uh, some good conversation with that as well. So I feel like the Ravens definitely did some good things. And I think out of everybody in this division, I like what they did the most. I think it's all depending on what they do in the draft since they got draft picks. But uh, it's funny that you mentioned the Lamar Jackson thing because my man's out here just trying to give hundred dollars to random dudes that don't even know who he is. Right, <laughs> I don't know right, if you right, saw that right. video, but I've seen that. I've seen that. Um, I'm gonna go with the Cleveland Browns. Last season had a very, very successful season in my opinion, making it it to the divisional round, um, and then they're they're building off of that last season in this offseason they re-signed Kareem Hunt maintain you can say the best backfield in the NFL with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt they're getting OBJ back they re-signed Rashard Higgins bolstered up that defense which was a big problem of theirs all season long and you definitely saw it in the playoffs they had probably one of the most underrating signings this entire offseason signing John Johnson from the Rams that safety mm-hmm. really liked that signing um, and then they got Troy Hill from the Rams as well Grant Delpit safety he's coming back from injury and then they go out and get Jadavion Clowney to line up alongside Miles Garrett so I mean me being a Ravens fan and then just trading one of our tackles away so <laughs> It's kind of scary because, uh, you know, those two guys coming off the edge, serious athleticism. Um, and I, But basically th- them just having a great season last year and then having a great offseason this year, I think they're definitely going to build off of that. And uh, they're going to make some noise this upcoming season. So got to watch out, maybe even division winners. But got to win on that for our division predictions. Um, let's move on to losers. Corey, who do you have? So... I'm going to just go with uh, the Bengals, mainly just because of what they lost. You know, they, they did lose a lot of, of talent and free agency and throughout the offseason. But um, I, and, I, and when you look at that, I'm just looking at the, the fact of you losing, especially on the offensive end and not being able to significantly bolster up the offensive line. I get it. They're like a small market team. It's going to be tough to do that in free agency. And pretty much the only way you can do that is via trade. But uh, it's going to be tough, uh, you know, for Joe Burrow, you know, going forward if he's not able to get a whole lot of help offensively or on the offensive line. And we already saw, like, last year in his rookie year, him getting, you know, a major injury off the bat. So uh, I think it's going to be tough for them. But um, as long as they're somewhat able to keep him healthy, then that's going to be their, you know, biggest bright spot to see. But they lost a lot of offensive weapons that is going to hurt this uh, this young the, the the face of their franchise in Joe Burrow. Yeah, Bengals. Uh, it's gonna be. T- they, they did make some nice moves on defense, uh, but yeah, their offense. I got to protect their guy. But they have the number five pick in the draft, so let's see if they do something with that. I'm gonna go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The right now they're riding with old man Big Ben yet again, and then a big question mark for them is their running back, which they might 
address in the draft. But, um, I mean, when you lose James Conner, don't really have anything after that. I mean, Benny Snell, we saw him, Anthony McFarlane. We don't know if those are the guys that can handle the the backfield load. Maybe they go out, they get a Najee Harris, they get a Travis Etienne in the draft. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But as of right now, that's a question mark at running back. Um, and then they lost some key offensive linemen. They lost uh, Pouncey to retirement, Alejandro Villanueva, their tackle, they lost him. And then on defense, lost key guys like Bud Dupree and Mike Hilton. So, I mean, they lost key players. And then they they retained Juju Smith-Schuster uh, to a one-year $8 million deal, but it, they really didn't need to. I think they could have used that money elsewhere because you already got – uh, Deontay Johnson, you got Chase Claypool. So it's like, how many receivers do you need? It was a steal of a deal, uh, one year, 8 million. But I mean, they really could have used that money elsewhere because their quarterback, Big Ben, is only getting older. So it's like, you can't be wasting years because the time is taken for him. Um, if it already hasn't ran out, which in my opinion, I think it has. But uh, this team, I think they definitely need to get younger. They're not really doing that, especially at the quarterback position, like I just mentioned. And they need to start looking towards the future because as of right now, this roster isn't really a Super Bowl caliber team. And I think they are a playoff team potentially, um, but not Super Bowl. And I mean, are you content with just being a a playoff team when uh, this looks like such a nice roster, especially considering last season, they went, what, 13 and 0 to to start the season, 12 and 0, something like that. And then they just fell off the wheels absolutely fell off uh their their bus but that's why i got the steelers didn't really make moves lost a lot of players in free agency let's move on afc south who do you have as winners of the offseason so um i'm gonna say the the colts here just because um i I know it's been a while since the trade went down, but it feels like after the trade, uh, after they landed Carson Wentz, everybody's kind of not been mentioning like about the fact that the Colts landed Carson Wentz and really didn't have to give that much up to get him. I know a lot of people are like, you know, thinking like, you know, oh, it's just Carson Wentz and like he only had like one year and he's been pretty average and, and mediocre at best. Uh, for since he had like his MVP uh, caliber year that ended up being the, the Super Bowl year for the Eagles. But I would say that them picking up a quarterback like that and then being able to, to especially coming off a year that with, when they had Phillip Rivers and still being able to manage to keep, you know, one of, if not potentially the best offensive lines in not only the AFC, but maybe potentially the NFL, um, that's something that Carson Wentz really hasn't had like that level of protection. So you look at that level of protection that he's going to get, you look at the level of weapons that he's going to get. You look, I think the biggest thing though is going to be whether or not the defense is going to be uh, able to, you know, protect them and be able to, to, to prevent um, teams from just uh, scoring at will. But I, I like what the Colts did. I feel like um, it's going to be interesting to see how Frank Wright and the Carson Wentz experience works and whether or not this experiment is going to pan out, well, time will only tell. But um, I'm intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued. And I think that the Colts, they definitely came out winners for me in, out of this division. They definitely have been quiet since that trade. But uh, left tackle is going to be a big thing because they lost Anthony Costanzo to retirement. So that's a big hole they got to fill to protect Carson Wentz blindside. I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Brand new head coach in Urban Myers. They have the number one pick. They have the number 25 pick, two picks in the first round. Assuming... 
they take Trevor Lawrence, which I think they will. They got him some nice little weapons. They got a Marvin Jones uh, to go alongside uh, a speedster of Philip Dorsett. And uh, um, so, so, I mean, they have a nice little wide receiving core. And then they franchise tag their left tackle to ensure protection for their young new quarterback, whoever they get. And then they went out and they got the best cornerback in the market in Shaquille Griffin. Took him from the Seattle Seahawks, added some solid versatile defensive lineman as well too so i think they made nice moves this offseason definitely to help out their franchise quarterback that they're going to take at number one overall and to help urban myers uh brand new head coach uh you know get adjusted to this league losers in this division who do you have i feel like it kind of goes without saying but uh the houston texans but it, I, in a way it's kind of hard for me to say it because you know, we still don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, but I would say because of what's happened, they could have easily traded him. And I think they could have gotten a whole lot of capital and a whole lot of compensation for him had they made, you know, pull the trigger on him right then and there prior to all these different allegations coming out. Because let's face facts, like nobody's going within the 10-foot pole of trying to trade for Deshaun Watson right now because of everything that's going on. And so uh, I think that they probably should have gone on, just gone ahead and just made that move. But maybe who's to say that this is, you know, something that they already maybe knew about already. And so they, you know, knew that teams probably were going to be hesitant because they, you know, had some knowledge of the the allegations that were already uh, forthcoming. But I don't know. I just feel like the Texans, man, dating back to last offseason, kind of just been heading in a downward spiral. And especially with this whole Deshaun Watson thing going on right now, it's uh, it, it just kind of highlights how bad things have been for the Houston Texans, not only as, you know, a, a football team and not only for like these past couple of seasons, but you can honestly say as their franchise in a whole, things have not been great. And this has just been the, the cherry on top showing like this franchise has just been really, really in the dumps. Yeah, absolutely. I think if the NFL was a drama TV series, their number one episode would be of the offseason would be the Houston Texans. Uh, you talked about Deshaun Watson uh, in combination of the trade rumors, the off-field legal issues. Uh, the Texans are the absolute losers of the AFC South. I mean, they got a couple of good guys in Marcus Cannon, uh, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, which that's another thing they have. Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, and David Johnson. That's three starting caliber running backs right there, which, I mean, you can never have enough running backs, but, I mean, I don't understand why they went with so many running backs when they have so many other dire needs, like wide receiver, defensive linemen, cornerback. Uh, so, I don't know. I feel like nothing positive really came out of this offseason for them, and Watson's trade value dropped, if anything. So, they didn't really move the needle, and uh, – they don't even have a first they don't even have a pick in the first two rounds of this upcoming draft. So it's an absolute shit show down there in Houston. And uh, this team's not going to be in a good place. And I don't even see their situation getting better going maybe into next offseason unless something some drastic changes are made. AFC West winners, who do you have? So I know everybody is going to instantly say the Chiefs and you could, I, I would have no problems with that, but. I'm going to go ahead and say the Chargers. I love the moves that they made, man. They got uh, center and Corey Lindsey for two years, 26 million. Guard Matt uh, Flary uh, for two years, 15 million. And then a tight end and Jared Cook for one year, 4.5 million. I feel like 
that is really good as far as knowing how to provide some offensive line help with getting a center and someone that will definitely help Justin Herbert and build a bond, I think, with Justin Herbert. And then I feel like also prov providing him with a tight end and Jared Cook um, with, I believe, the departure of Hunter Henry, right? Like Hunter Correct. Henry's, yeah. So, um, yeah, not a bad replacement. Not a bad replacement at all. And Jared Cook has been on, you know, numerous amounts of playoff teams. He has that experience. He's been, you know, around the NFL. He could be a good target for a young quarterback to to go to in Justin Herbert. And I feel like the Chargers, um, they are making the right steps in the right direction. And I feel like I was high on them last season. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out. But you could say, like, they had so many games where it was like one possession losses or like, you know, uh, single digit losses. So they were in it every single game and they were competitive every single game. Unfortunately, you know, it didn't turn out in the win column, but uh, I would say that if you look at it, they're continuously making good moves. And I think if they have another good draft, um, they could be that much closer. I would say to challenging the chiefs for the division, but I would say they would be close enough to be able to get into the playoffs definitely be on the right path to do that and then plus their brand new head coach that they got this offseason as well too but like you said it i am going to go with the kansas city chiefs what was their biggest achilles heel in the super bowl their offensive line Some their line, protection yeah. of for patrick mahomes so what did they do this offseason completely revamped their entire offensive line signed some of the best names out in the market in joe thuney austin blight kyle long and then traded for orlando brown for a first round pick mind you so which means that they're all in on this upcoming season and will do whatever it takes to win their only real loss this offseason was sammy Watkins, which i mean given his injury history i mean it's not that big of a concern but uh maybe they do need a big body wide receiver because miko marcus robinson tyreek hill all very quick fast uh short guys so maybe they need a big body wide receiver that could help them but then again when you have travis kelsey maybe you don't even need that because that guy basically is a big body wide receiver and then uh, I think their biggest biggest w of the offseason is the fact that they kept their offense coordinator Eric Bieniemy, who should honestly right now have a head coaching gig right now with some NFL team. Uh, so that was a huge W for the Chiefs. Um, my only concern for them is maybe they don't have – because they lost Le'Veon Bell, who didn't produce that much for him, but he was uh, experienced backup running back. So And we saw that Clyde Edwards-Alaire did have a couple injuries his rookie season. So if he goes down, who's really that backup running back that's going to pick up the slack for the Kansas City Chiefs? But other than that, I think the AFC champs are going to be looking to repeat their performance that they had last season and then some and try to win a Super Bowl this upcoming season. Losers, who do you got in this division? Las Vegas Raiders, man. I feel like um, outside of them having, you know, one of the top running backs in Josh Jacobs, uh, Raiders, man, it's just been a really bad couple of off seasons for them, especially even dating back to the 2019 draft when at the number four pick, when they were speculated to, you know, be going after, you know, maybe a top wide receiver or maybe get some better uh, defensive players or something like that. They decided to go after clean Farrell, which was kind of a, 
a, a, a stunner for all the experts out there. And the pick right before Devin White. Exactly. So, I mean, they could have gotten Devin White, and instead they ended up getting Clean Farrell, which really hasn't turned out to be the best decision. He's had 18 quarterback hits in the past two years, which ranks tied for 98th in the NFL over that time period. And I believe so, that was Mike Mayock's first yeah. draft as a GM, and Mike Mayock, as we all know, is a draft expert. So, <laughs> ironic. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, John Gruden really hasn't done anything of significance since he's come back into the NFL as a head coach. And really, uh, the Raiders haven't done anything to move the needle besides move from one black hole to another and Las Vegas. So, I mean, look, the Roomba, look, 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 they got a nice new stadium. I'll say that. But how many times have we seen like with the Raiders, like the past couple of years and especially even last season where it was just like you scratch your head and you look at this team. They had the potential to make the playoffs and somehow they ended up not making the playoffs. So it's just like, look, I think that this is make or break for John Gruden. If the Raiders do not make the postseason, I think he's done. And I think that they're going to be moving in a different direction. And I think also that when you look at the fact that honestly, since he won that Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, where he inherited a very strong roster, um, it's, it's kind of hard for me to say that his coaching ability and his coaching elevates teams or he makes you know teams better when he comes in as a coach. Where, whereas, you know, you could look at some of the other coaches in his same bracket and maybe you, you could argue that Gruden just he, he needs to have the pieces already in place for him to be successful, I think. He's not somebody <clears throat> Steve who can, Kerr. Yeah, he's not somebody who can come into a situation and maybe build off of or build it from the ground up like in the Raiders. Like people were like, you know, nostalgic about him coming back. And, you know, even I was like, you know, hey, let's see what happens, because who knows? Maybe, you know, we, but but hey, maybe, you know, in this modern day and age, it's just it is so hard to be. Uh, NFL head coach I'll say that much but the Raiders they didn't really do a whole lot of stuff in the offseason that was all that impressive I mean I would say maybe like their best one of their best signs that I did like was them picking up Kenyon Drake um because I felt like he's kind of had like some good value but overall uh not too much that was done for them in a positive note you know maybe Yannick Ngagwe but other than that nah the crazy thing is, is that John Gruden's on a 10-year, $100 million contract that he yeah, signed. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, you so fire him, gets, you're pretty much still going to have to keep paying the guy. Exactly. So, so it's going to be tough decision to make. But I think in this division, kind of, there, there's not, re- like, really big losers. But if I did have to pick, it would be the Raiders. Um, they were in rumors about trading for Deshaun Watson, trading for Russell Wilson, but that never transpired. And then they lost probably their two best offensive line, which is why I would say they're the losers this season in uh, Rodney Hudson and Trent Brown. They got a couple veteran wide receivers, Willie Sneed, John Brown, Kenyon Drake, like you mentioned. But defensively, they got Yannick Ngakwe, which I absolutely love. That's, I mean, obviously I hate it because he left the Ravens, but for them, got him absolutely on a steel contract for two years. But then they go out and they end up cutting Maurice Hurst, who is probably their best defensive tackle on their team. And they just straight up cut him. So definitely puzzling why they cut him. And then in their secondary on defense, I think it still remains a huge question mark along with their linebacking core. But you look at both their safety, Carl Joseph and Jonathan Abram, 
really those two guys are kind of downhill run stopping safeties, which isn't good considering the liabilities you have at cornerback. So they definitely need to work on that uh, passing defense, given that the division that they're in with the chiefs and the, and the chargers. And then, I mean, I'm not going to say it, but the Broncos, because they did just trade for Teddy Bridgewater, but uh, I don't think that's a big needle mover. But yeah, so I think defensively, they need to fix their defensive scheme, given the division they're in. And uh, obviously losing those two offensive linemen definitely don't help. So that's why they're going to be the quote unquote losers of the AFC West. Let's move on to the NFC. Let's start off with the NFC East. Who's your winner? I really... uh like what the Washington football team did this offseason. And I, I know that it's probably not the sexiest of teams in this division, but hey, they did win the division last season. And the fact that they, I feel like, picked up a guy in like Ryan Fitzpatrick who fits magic. He's been bouncing around the league and every se- it seems like everywhere this man's gone in the past, I would say, two or three seasons, he continued to flourish and show why he continues to make it on NFL rosters and he's going to have a chance to compete for a starting job. And then you also look at the fact that they're coming off a playoff season and their defense, I feel is just going to get better. And depending on what they do with the draft, uh, this Washington football team under Ron Rivera is going to be a team that is going to, for a lot of people be penciled in as an early favorite to win the NFC East. It's crazy how, in the beginning of last season, everyone absolutely hating the hated the Washington football team for their entire like name mm-hmm. change and everything that was going on. So when they end the season, you got Tyler Heineke, who's literally a fan favorite, and it was like everyone's becoming a Washington football team fan and rooting for them. So some people are even saying there. that they want them to keep the name Washington football team. They're like, don't change the name again, just leave it like this. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy flipped off script, but uh, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys finally came to a long-term agreement with their franchise quarterback who is coming off, you know, a gruesome season ending injury, but still it's Dak Prescott. We saw what he did because they're basically bringing back the same offense from 2019 that led the league in offensive yards, points per game. And then uh, obviously they had CeeDee Lamb and Blake Jarwin last year, but now you have Dak Prescott. If you can get a full season with him, with these new guys, and then the pieces that they already have in Amari Cooper, uh, Michael Gallup. So I think they, they are, are absolute winners in the, in the perspective of getting that long-term contract with Dak Prescott, but to add the cherry on top, they finally, I think this might be one of the first times that they addressed defensive needs in the off season, especially their secondary getting Keanu Neal and Casey from Atlanta. And then honestly, they have the 10th pick in the draft. So if they can get another top corner in the draft in the first round, I, this off season could definitely be a W and then given with this uh, division and how open it is, and there's no real, you know, solidified team that you can pencil in as division winners. Um, I, I think that the Cowboys definitely made strides in the right direction, but I, I say this almost every off season, I get my hopes up with the Cowboys and then not only to be disappointed. So we'll, we'll see what happens with them. A losers this off season in the NFC East. Who do you have? So it it's crazy because like I, I would say one of the losers I would say would probably be uh the Giants. Just from the perspective of I, I do like what they did as far as like you know picking up Galladay and you know giving some some 
help to Daniel Jones, but uh, I think I think this is an, in a sense of just looking at the outlook of the division. You would probably say that at best, maybe they're tied for maybe either the second or they're, they're either the second or the third best team in the division, which you know could go either way. And then if on a bad on a bad year, they could be the worst team in this division. So I mean, they were really close to making the, to the playoffs. Uh, a season ago, obviously we know what happened toward the Every end of the season. Every team in that division was close <laughs> to making the playoffs. Yeah, so I mean, they were so close. They could have made it, but you know, they just ended up not. But um, I, I think I look at uh, this team, and I'm kind of they're in like a weird purgatory team. Like they're not like a bottom feeder, and they're not like a team that's you know going to be bad. I think this year, but they're not you know a team that's going to be like really good either i feel i feel like they're like middle of the road um like a 500 level team to be honest with you maybe like a couple of games above 500 but overall i i think that the, this has got to be the year where daniel jones goes to freak off like he's got he's got to have like that sort of mentality going into this season and i know they got really good value for a lot of the guys they picked up in free agency like i mentioned i feel like they you know picking up john ross on a one-year, you know, two-million deal. I mean, you know, people will say, like, oh, he's a bust, you know, this, this, that. But I feel like, you know, he's still got some potential in him, you know, and also getting a guy like a Dory Jackson, you know, maybe the, maybe people might feel like they don't like the contract they, they got him for, but uh, I think he did really good with his time with Tennessee, and I think he's going to be a good cornerback uh, for the Giants who could use some help on defense as well. And uh, – I don't know. It's just weird because like with the Giants, like I said, they're in that middle tier stage as an NFL team where they're on the cusp of trying to break into the playoffs, but they're not good enough quite yet. And they're not one of those teams, you know, in the basement. And they're not one of those teams that are that a lot of people are expecting to be like horrible this year. So um, I think it was average, but it wasn't like they, I think they could have gotten more for make more out of their offseason. There was a lot of rumors that were surrounding them. Hopefully for Daniel Jones, there's no snipers in the crowd when he has a 90-yard run. Um, I'm going to go with the loser. I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. They got rid of Carson Wentz, which could be viewed as a win or a loss, depending on how you look at it. Um, It was a good thing, but the fact that they may not even get a first-rounder out of it, that's why I think they were losers. Um, And then if they are rocking with Jalen Hurts or Joe Flacco, which I don't even know why that's a discussion, but if they are rocking with Jalen Hurts – or whoever it is, they didn't really get him any weapons. They did not help him out at all. And then they were in prime position at the sixth overall pick to get one of the top pass catchers in the draft. And then they traded back to number 12 with the Dolphins in the draft. Um, So, I mean, it was a very puzzling move. I know Philadelphia Eagle fans were scratching their heads and yelling at their phones when they first saw that trade. But if they do manage to still get one of the top four pass catchers in Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, or Jamar Chase, if they somehow magically get one of those guys at pick number 12, then this offseason could be completely fit, flipped and it could be viewed as an absolute win because then they get an extra first round pick next year. But yeah, I, I don't I don't think that can happen. I think they they risked it to risk too much for them not to land any of those guys. And um, I, I still don't understand why Zach Ertz is still an eagle when you have Dallas Goddard. I think 
Zach Ertz uh, trade value is just depreciating week by week. And I thought they were going to trade him at the trade deadline last year. So I think he needs to be traded. And then their linebacking core, I mean, still remains kind of sus. And uh, the only defensive addition that they made was Anthony Harris, which I like, but I still don't think it's enough for this team. So that's why I have the Eagles as the losers in this division. Let's move on. NFC North, who do you have? All right. So for my winner, I'm going to go with the – I'm going to go with the Packers because I feel like the Packers had a decent offseason. And depending on what they do in the draft, hopefully, fingers crossed, they finally give Aaron Rodgers a weapon. (laughs) They finally get this man a serious receiver that's able to slot in and help him out. Um, Obviously, it won't be like any of the top, you know, guys like Devontae Smith or uh, Jamar Chase, but – I feel like if they're able to get any type any type of receiver or any type of a skill position player, that would just be a godsend for Aaron Rodgers, who I think everybody was kind of shocked what they did in last year's draft with, with their selection in the first round. But overall, I think that uh, when you're on the cusp of potentially getting to the Super Bowl and trying to win the Super Bowl like they were these past couple of seasons, back-to-back seasons of getting bounced out on the NFC Championship – I think this is the time where you got to at least pay respect to the guy who has been under center for you. Number 12, Aaron Rodgers. you got to give him some type of help. And, you know, you don't know how long he'll be with you. So you got to at least, you know, give him something. So I feel like if they do that in the draft, um, that'll be an absolute godsend. But they're still the top team in this division and they're still a team to beat, I feel. For me, I don't think there was really any winners in this division. Didn't like what any of the teams did. But since I have to pick one, I'm going to go with the Packers as well. Um, They re-signed Aaron Jones, which I think they – I was surprised about that. I was was surprised as well, too, and I think they absolutely overpaid for him. But, I mean, the fact that they did lose Jamal Williams, um, they now have a duo of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So, I mean – it's a win-lose situation. Um, and then they re-signed their top breakout player in Robert Tunyon. And, but the biggest thing was they let go of their center, uh, Corey Lindsley, who went to the Chargers. So I think that was their biggest loss. Other than that, I don't really see too much that they did that was good or bad. Uh, the draft, yes, is going to be important for them. They have a late pick, see if they finally get something for Aaron Rodgers. But um, I mean, when you're in the NFC North and the the situation that the NFC North is in right now, I don't think you need to do much if you're the Packers, because you're basically going to be penciled in as division winners yet again, this uh, upcoming season. Losers, who do you have? Okay. So for my loser, I'm going to say the the Chicago Bears. Um, I know a lot of there was a lot of hype surrounding the Bears as far as like who could they potentially get with, you know, Deshaun Watson being floated around there as an idea, uh, Russell Wilson being floated there as an idea, but nothing really materialized in this offseason as far as their quarterback situation. And they really didn't, I feel, move the needle as as a team on whether or not they're going to be because obviously the Packers are the best team in this division. And then probably next to them, you will probably maybe go with like, it's a battle between either the Bears and the Vikings for who's going to be fighting for that second spot. But ultimately, if you're chasing the top team, the top cat in the Packers, and you're not doing anything significant to to get close to them as far as like 
being able to secure a top tier quarterback or being able to secure a quarterback uh, that will at least, you know, somewhat convince fans that were like, okay, you know, the Trubisky thing flopped, but at least, you know, we were able to get like a, a, a decent quarterback in the off season and no, that it just, it just got bad from worse. <laughs> yeah. Like I mentioned, don't like what any of these teams did, but come on, the Chicago Bears, what are we doing? Exactly. First, they cut their Pro Bowl corner to try to save some money in Fuller to trade for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson only to end up with Andy freaking Dalton. <laughs> like, what are we doing, Chicago? I'm thoughts and prayers out to the Chicago Bears fan base because, and, and first of all, thoughts and prayers to Khalil Mack. <laughs> Basically, mm. his prime is being rotted over there. Um I guess the only positive for the Chicago Bears is that they franchise tagged Allen Robinson, but mm. I don't want to give him too much credit because I think any um, any team that has a brain would have done that. So <laughs> I don't, don't want to give him too much credit. But as of right now, they're nowhere near contending, and uh, they're going to continue to hurt their defense because they're yet again going to have to be on their backs to carry this team to wins how many ever they can get this upcoming season. So Bears definitely losers for me. NFC South winners, who do you have? I mean, we got to go with the champs, right? I mean, the Buccaneers, they were pretty much able to keep everybody somehow, some way. Like, that was the biggest storyline for them after they won the Super Bowl. It was like, how are they going to be able to pay or keep all their top guys? And they pretty much said, like, hold my beer. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and just do that. So, like, they were able to keep hold of, like, all their top guys, bring back all their heavy hitters back. And it's like, dang, this team is stacked. And – they're going into a season where they're clear favorites to win this division. I think the maybe maybe the Saints could be a potential challenger to them, but I feel like they won the offseason by far with securing pretty much all their star players. Absolutely, right there with you. Um, yeah, you said one of the biggest storylines was how are they going to retain all the guys that are free agents but and it makes absolute no sense how they did getting Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronk, Fournette, Shaquille Barrett, Levante Davis. And to put a cherry on top, they even brought in Giovanni Bernard running back. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. like they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the Bucks are going to be looking to go back to back this upcoming season. And it's scary. Losers of this division, who you got? Um, With everything that's circulating right now, I would probably say the Falcons because – they, they seem like they're heading in a position where it's time to start to maybe think about the rebuilding process. And um, I know nobody's floating the idea out there of them potentially looking at quarterback, but I wouldn't be surprised if they start thinking about it within like the next couple of years or so, because, you know, Matt Ryan is, you know, heading towards the, the tail end of his career. And then with all these rumors circulating about Julio Jones now being on the market, uh, I, I, I would say that, Atlanta is now looking like they're coming toward the the final nail in the coffin of that 28-3 comeback. It's like, you know, nothing to really show for, uh, you know, that, that contending team and that contending uh, era that they have where they were making the playoffs and being somewhat of a contender. And now they're about to potentially lose, you know, a top wide receiver, a potential Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver in Julio Jones. And they really don't have anything right now to show for it as far as this season goes. So long term doesn't look bright. Short term currently doesn't look bright either. So they definitely need to make sure they show out and they get some uh, 
some heavy hitters in the draft that they can at least sell to their fan base. Yeah. Uh, I'm Falcons right there with you. I think this team might have actually done absolutely nothing this offseason. <laughs> they literally lost a lot of key pieces and they added Mike Davis. That was their big signing, Mike Davis, the running back from the Carolina Panthers. So I think the only bright spot for this team is that they have the number four pick in the draft. And there's a lot of ways that they can make a good pick with that pick with the options that will be available with the rumor circulating with the one, two, three picks in the draft. But um, other than that, really haven't done anything this off season. And like you said, Julio Jones looking to move on from him, which means they could be hitting the rebuild button. Um, but even if they do hit the rebuild button, I still think that with Matt Ryan's contract, they'll be struggling with cap space a lot. Exactly, so it'll exactly. just be really tanking for picks in, in that situation. So We'll see what the Falcons do because um, honestly, it's not far fetched that they go quarterback at number four. Cause the thing is, is how many times do you get the opportunity where you're picking in the top five of exactly. the draft exactly. and, and there are franchise caliber quarterbacks um, in the top five. So it, it's possible to take a quarterback at number four, but and even if they don't, they have a lot, a lot of players that they can take. That would be good picks. Agreed. NFC West, probably the toughest division is from what a lot of people say. Who you have winning the division? Or who were the I, winners of the division, I should say? So I, I would say my winner, my outright winner, would have to be the Rams just because they landed Matthew Stafford. Now, there, there's a lot of, you know, ifs, hopes, and, like, maybes with that because the big if is can he stay healthy? That's the big if, but – the fact that they were able to flip Jared Goff and able to get Matthew Stafford basically straight up was uh, wow. They had to throw in first round I, pick. I know, I know they had to throw a few, you know, like draft conversation in there. But I mean, I felt like that was a pretty good trade for them to be able to get a guy in like Matthew Stafford. So I felt like that was a big, a competent quarterback. Exactly, 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 and somebody who can put fear into a defense and be able to throw the ball down the field and, you know, force defenses to have to respect his arm. So, and, and can also make a fourth quarter comeback. So, I mean, let's, and that was with the Detroit lions. Let's, let's, people need to bear that in mind. He was doing this with the Detroit lions. He was making comebacks with the Detroit lions. So what is he going to do when he has a confident coach and he has offensive weapons at his disposal and he has an offensive line that can protect him and has a, a pretty solid overall defense so i say the rams did a really good job in in making that pick but really honestly um you could even say that the cardinals didn't do too bad and depending on what happens in the draft the 49ers they could also be a winner too but uh you know there's one team that i'm just like hmm scratching my head and wondering like what did you what did you do yeah, with the uh, with the Rams, I think only time will tell whether this was a good offseason move or not. But as of right now on the surface, I think it was good offseason for them. But I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers. They're going to have a bounce back season. We all know that Super Bowl yeah. two years ago, and then they had drastic injuries on the defensive side of the ball, which uh, hurt them a lot. So they're getting all those I mean, guys. You could, say, you could say it was almost like a blessing in disguise, I think. I mean... Well, in, the, well, in the short term, in the short term, it sucked because like, you know, right. you know, having like such a bad season, but you're able to get a top pick in this year's draft. You're also potentially able to, uh, you know, rebolster your team and reshape your franchise and still 
for next year and future seasons be in the conversation to win a Super Bowl. So I'm like, almost in a way, having a bad one year off uh, season after, you know, making it to the Super Bowl, who knows what they could potentially do coming back here. Yeah. Um, I, so like I said, they're going to have a lot of those defensive guys coming back. And then the biggest thing they did this off season was re-sign Trent Williams and then brought in one of the best centers in Alex Mack. So definitely helped them out. And then will they be getting a new quarterback at number three, most likely after trading up to the third pick with the Dolphins? Um, they, they narrowed it down. They said that it's either going to be Trey Lance or it's going to be Mac Jones. That's what the rumors are. So looks like they're going to get a young quarterback and definitely the fact that they got some of the best offensive linemen to protect whoever it is. Definitely a gigantic W for the 49ers. And then I talked about the Raiders being stupid and cutting Maurice Hurst, where the 49ers just picked them up and got him to go along. Nick Bosa to go along um, the other guys on the defensive line, Javon Kinlaw. So, and then on the defensively, they're just good linebackers, two of the best cover linebackers. And uh, so so if you're a 49ers fan, definitely you're going to have a young quarterback coming in and your defensive uh, players coming back as well. So very excited for the 49ers this upcoming season, especially given in their tough, tough division that they're in. Let's move on to the loser of the NFC West. Who do you have? I would say the Seahawks. Just from – they're a good team. Like, they're a good team, but with all the drama that came about this offseason with, you know, rumors that Russell Wilson pretty much wants out of Seattle, and whether or not that's him or whether or not that's, you know, his wife, Sierra, you know, <laughs> that's, that's you know, hey, that's up in the air for people to, you know, sit here and debate. I'm not going to debate we got a deal. Got, hey, yeah, we got a deal. <laughs> we got a deal that we try to get the heck out of here. <laughs> nah, but, hey, whether you want to debate on who is trying to, like, push – you know, Russ to get up out of here and get up out of Seattle. Like that's, that's, you know, that's up for debate, but by all intents and purposes, they were able to keep Russ. They didn't, they, you know, still, he's still a Seahawk by all intents and purposes. But I think one of the things that kind of sucks is just like you look at the Rams and they got Aaron Donald and they got one of the, the a really good pass rush. You look at the Cardinals and they got who they got JJ Watt. And they also have one of the best pass rushes in this division. And then you look at the 49ers, they got Nick Bosa and they got a really good pass rush. So it's like, what is Seattle doing to protect Russ, who is, you know, let's face it, one of the reasons why they're always in conversation to not just make the playoffs, but contend and compete for a championship. So um, I think Russ is probably looking around and wondering like, yo, (laughs) Can I get some help, please? Like he's looking at uh, Kansas City and he's wondering, like, yo, wh- where's 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 my offensive line like that, yo? Yeah, I'm Seahawks definitely losers for me. They did get Gabe Jackson to help out the off- offensive line, but that's about it. Um, the Russell Wilson sweepstakes was fun while it lasted, but because mm-hmm. so, trade talks have kind of quieted down. But just the fact that. He was in trade talks. You're talking about your franchise quarterback, and he's done nothing but carry this team and make them a playoff contender year in and year out. I mean, it's not really a good look for the Seahawks. And then on top of that, they lost one of their best defensive players in Shaquille Griffin. So the Seahawks, they didn't have a bad offseason in terms of acquisition-wise, but they didn't have a good offseason as well. I just feel like, like you said, every other 
NFC West team got better. You talk about the 49ers, you talk about the the Cardinals, you talk about the Rams, all those teams definitely got better where I think the Seahawks kind of just felt stagnant this offseason. It didn't really do much, especially to help out Russell Wilson. Um, and we see what stagnation does in the NFL. Like if you stay stagnant, especially in a competitive division, like the best division in the not only NFC, but I would say in the entire NFL, like the NFC West, you cannot afford to be stagnant because the Rams, like you said, got better. Cardinals got better. 49ers got better. It, and it, you kind of like, you don't ever want to go into a draft where you kind of like are in the back of your mind. You're like, okay, we have to have a good draft here because like, it's like, dang, you putting all your eggs in the draft basket. It's kind of like, what if these guys don't, put, what if you don't hit on, you know, your draft picks? And it's kind of like, you know, you back to square one where it's like, you're looking around again and you're like, it's like, oh, man, the, the landscape of it all, like the Seahawks, just it's a bad look. It's not that they, like you said, they didn't do anything necessarily bad with their, you know, with whether it was signings, but they, you know, lost Shaquille Griffin. That's a bad loss. And then the rumors surrounding, you know, your franchise quarterback, it's just not a good look at all. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the NFL draft stuff, the juicy stuff for today. The first round is going to be happening today. So let's talk about the first round. Um, we basically talked about how the number one, number two pick are going to be most likely Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. So who's going to be number three for the 49ers It's reported. Like I said, they said Mac Jones out of Alabama, Trey Lance out of North Dakota state. Who are you taking if you are the 49ers and with that number three pick? I think that um, if I was the 49ers, I would more so probably lean towards uh, Trey Lance I know like a lot of people will probably say like maybe should maybe go with the safer pick in Mac Jones, but you already saw what a safe pick does with you with Jimmy Garoppolo. Why not go with a more versatile quarterback, a more uh, potential? I'm just talking about potential on what his like, you know, ceiling potentially could be a guy who can have like that athleticism, a guy who could, you know, potentially get outside the pocket, be able to you know, do damage in like a guy like Trey Lance. So I would say more so lean towards that way and go with the guy who could be an enigma. I know it's not great at the fact that he did not, there's not a whole lot of tape on him and there's not, not a whole lot that you can look at to break down his game, um, unfortunately. But I think with Mac Jones, he's a guy who's a safe quarterback. And my thing is, is like if you're in the NFL and your team, your GM, why why go safe there's no point in going safe especially if you're on the cusp of being a contender and trying to get to the super bowl get back to the super bowl don't go safe because you've already seen what happened when you got to the super bowl with jimmy garoppolo he he couldn't make the big time play and i feel like you know it's not to say that mac jones can't but it's just like do you want to go and do like the safe pick all over again i think like they they are going to move towards you know a little bit more of a wild card and i think that trey lance is going to be the guy they go with if I'm the 49ers, first of all, I would take Justin Fields. But yeah, if I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Since, I, you know, since, since this is what is being reported and being right. Like that. But I'm, I would go with Justin Fields because I feel he is a little bit more polished and he has more film on him than Trey Lance. Trey Lance, I, I, the way I rank him is like this. I would go Justin Fields, Mac Jones, and then Trey Lance. And But only ranking them in the in that way because – Mac Jones, what we saw from him this past season and what we saw from him already is that he has a good arm. He's steady. He's, you know, somebody who's reliable and he can, you know, do things. But I feel like with Trey Lance, there's a lot of potential there and there's a lot of, you know, things that 
could be like, like I said, a wild card and he could be somebody who you just don't know because there's not a lot of film on him. Same thing we saw out of like with Patrick Mahomes. There wasn't a lot of film on the guy and he came into the league and he just started smashing records and smashing numbers out of nowhere. I was like, who the heck is Patrick Mahomes? I'm not saying Trey Lance is Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like, what if he had that level of impact and they decided to pass him up? It could be another situation where, you know, similar to the Bears where they chose Mitchell Trubisky instead of going with Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. Sorry, Bears fans, bring that up again. I think in today's NFL, uh, it's shifting more to dual threat quarterbacks. You look at the best quarterbacks in the league right now, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. You could even say Aaron Rodgers is somewhat dual threat. He obviously looks to pass more, but he can get it done with his feet. Uh, Russell Wilson, all those guys are quote unquote dual threat. And I think, like I said, Justin Fields, but if Justin Fields isn't your choice and Trey Lance is obvious choice here, Definitely, I think, a lot higher upside than Mac Jones. Um, and in the era where we where mobile quarterbacks are so beneficial for teams, I don't see why you wouldn't take Trey Lance, especially given his pro day. He had two pro days and was electric in both of them. Um, his Only his real knock on him is that he didn't play Division One. He was in the FCS. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that that's really the only knock on him. But, I mean, we've seen – you know, successful quarterbacks come out of North Dakota State in Carson Wentz. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't I don't think that's a big red flag. So that's why I would take Trey Lance if I was definitely the San Francisco 49ers. All right, now let's talk about after the top three picks. Um, so the order it goes is Jaguars, Jets, 49ers, and Falcons, Bengals, Dolphins, Lions, Panthers, Broncos, Cowboys. That's the top 10 picks right there. Do you see a team trading into the top 10 picks to draft a quarterback? And if so, which team do you think it is? Cause we already talked about the first three picks going quarterback Falcons. Maybe they take a quarterback at number four Bengals. They're not taking a quarterback. They have Joe Burrow dolphins. They're not taking a quarterback. They have Tua. Uh lions. Maybe they take a quarterback, but then they just traded for Jared Goff Panthers. Maybe they take a quarterback, but then they just trade for Sam Darnold and the Broncos possibly take a quarterback, but they have Drew Locke, who wasn't great last year, and then they just traded for Teddy Bridgewater. And then you have the Cowboys, who just signed Dak Prescott, so they're not going to be taking a quarterback. So do you see any teams outside of the top 10 trading into the top 10 to take a top quarterback? Uh, The New England Patriots, to be honest with you. I feel like there's a lot of rumors that have been circulating about this, and um, they they might – be willing to make a deal potentially with the Panthers and try to get in that eighth spot. Maybe they can, you know, maybe depending on what happens on, you know, draft day, maybe a guy falls in their lap, like a Mac Jones or a Justin Fields, who a lot of people are saying is kind of falling, you know, towards uh, down on their uh, draft boards. So if they're able to, if Justin Fields lands in the hands of Bill Belichick, I'm throwing my hands up and just going like, yeah, okay. 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 Who, who, who shook whose hand in order to make that deal? Did Robert Kraft, you know, make some witchcraft in the background in order Made to make a deal with happen? the devil? Yeah, make a deal with the devil in order to make that? Like, yo, come on. Like, that's that would just be like the ultimate Patriots thing that just happened to them. It's like they get Justin Fields to land right in their lap after they make a trade deal in order to bolster up their quarterback room. That would just be insane. And think about it. Whatever quarterback they, they're able to get, you got a guy being able to learn under Cam Newton, a former MVP, a guy who won not only uh, 
a Heisman Trophy, but also went to a national championship. A guy who has been to a Super Bowl, has had, like I said, an MVP caliber season, had an MVP uh, season in the NFL, has been a star in the NFL. What a great way for a rookie to come into the NFL and learn under a guy like Cam Newton and be able to work alongside with a guy like Cam Newton, at least for this initial you know, season. That would be just tremendous development, I think. And if, you know, whoever you get, I think that they should just be picking his brain immediately, day one, that he gets selected. So, I mean, that, like I said, if Justin Fields gets, like, you know, like, I'm not not wishing it, but I would not be surprised if it happens, yo. Like, you know, with the eighth pick in the NFL draft, the New England Patriots select Justin Fields. If that happens... Man, a lot of people are going to be like, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, the Patriots, uh, Cam Newton only has one year on his deal. So it is a possibility that they move up. That's been the rumor that's been swirling around is them trading up to get one of the top quarterbacks in uh, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones. But I have a team that nobody's been talking about, and I think that's the Washington football team. Mm. They got Ryan Fitzpatrick only on a one-year deal, and he is one of the greatest mentors you can have for young quarterbacks. Given they are picking at number 19, they would have to give up a lot more draft capital to move up. But I would say they only move up in the draft if Trey Lance is available. Because if you give Ron Rivera Trey Lance, and with that defense that they have, I, I definitely think he can make some magic work uh, with Trey Lance and learning behind Ryan Fitzpatrick would definitely be beneficial in terms of a uh, passing aspect and a great mentor. So I could definitely see the Washington football team trade up from 19 to get Trey Lance. That is, um, or may- maybe even Justin Fields, Justin Fields is a possibility too, but I just like Trey Lance's fit just because he's a big body quarterback who reminds me a lot of uh, Cam Newton in terms of his frame and what Ron Rivera could do with him. So it's a possibility. And, but I think they are in a good position where they can fill needs where I'll get, I'll get into it a little bit later, but they can fill needs at uh, number 19 where they don't need to trade up and they don't need to reach at all as well either. So that it's, it's iffy, but I'm telling you, Trey Lance is available. Washington. Go up and get him. He will definitely be a nice piece for your team. All right, let's talk about the teams with two first-round picks this upcoming draft. We have the Jaguars, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Ravens as of last week. Out of these bunch of teams, which team intrigues you the most with the picks that they have? Um, I'm definitely looking at the Miami Dolphins because I had them penciled in as making – as not only – uh, making the playoffs last year, I thought they were going to win that division last year too. But I was wrong. I, I wasn't wrong. Immediately, you know, admittedly so. But I feel like if they're able to get a Jamar Chase, man, that would be big time. If they could snack up a top tier wide receiver um, and pair him alongside Tua Tagovailoa, that would be huge. And not only that, being able to have you know two top picks, you know, gives you the the leeway to you know, get the guy you want initially because the rumor is that they traded down because they feel strongly about uh, that they're going to get the guy they want at the end of the day. So they still, you know, them moving down didn't, you know, affect their standing on who they're going to get in the draft. So they feel confident that regardless on what happens uh, on draft day or, you know, what happens in the draft, they're going to end up with getting a top player that's going to help impact their team right away. So I feel like they could get two starters maybe right in the door. And that's just, 
that's huge for a team that's budding for the playoffs. Yeah, I'm right there with you as well. Dolphins have the most intriguing picks in the first round because with the Jags and the Jets, we know who we're, they're going to take one and two. So their draft really starts at 25 and 23 respectively. And then with the Ravens, they have two out of the last six picks in the first round. So they may not get be able to get like the razzle-dazzle prospects that um, – is really like eye popping. So, but the Dolphins, they have the number six pick. If they decide to stay there, they could trade as well too. And then they have 18, which is the the highest pick out of the second picks in the first round out of all these teams. But at number six, they have so many options. They can go here. Good pass catcher. Like you said, Jamar Chase, they have Kyle Pitts, or they can go uh, Jalen Waddle if that's what they decide to do. Or I think, that their best pick would be to go offensive line and get Penny Sewell if he's still available after the Bengals pick at number five. Because if they get Penny Sewell, you look at the top quarterbacks in the league. Patrick Mahomes, he had Eric Fisher, who was decent, but then you saw what happened when he got injured. He was running for his life in the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has David Bakhtiari, arguably the best left tackle in the entire league. You look at Deshaun Watson. And that, what a shit show that became. Russell Wilson, he's been running his entire career because he has no left tackle. You look at Tom Brady last year, had Tristan Wirfs, was an all-pro left tackle. You look at Lamar Jackson, have Ronnie Stanley, an all-pro left tackle. So the good quarterbacks are good because they have their blind sides protected. So if you want Tua to, to Vailoa to be your franchise quarterback, your best bet is to go out and get a blindside blocker. He would probably shift to – he's played left tackle his entire career, So, but they might uh, move him to right tackle since Tua Tagovailoa is a lefty. Um, it will be interesting, but I, I definitely think they need to go out and get their franchise tackle in Penny Sewell. Uh, with their number six pick if they decide to stay there as well. And then, like I said, with the 18th pick, I think there's going to be some intriguing prospects available. Um, And, you know, this is the area that we see top prospects in the draft that were penciled in to go, you know, top five, top eight. They could start to slide. We saw that last season with C.D. Lamb. He fell all the way to the Cowboys. So something like that, crazy like that happens, it's around that 18th pick where those, uh, you know, those those top prospects that fell start to get taken. So it will be really interesting at 18 what they decide to do, because even if that doesn't happen, I think there's really in, intriguing uh, linebacker prospects that they could take at 18, which would definitely help them out. All right, let's talk about the biggest sleeper in round one and the most overhyped prospect in round one to wrap up this podcast. Let's go with biggest sleeper in round one. Who do you have, Corey? Uh, I would say that they're, they're, to me, I feel like there's a few guys that could be considered a, a sleeper. Uh, but if we're just looking at it from the standpoint of... I'm talking about like the Justin Jeffersons that fell all the way to right. the mid-20s that ended up breaking records as a wide receiver rookie right. so right um i mean uh, i would say like you know a guy who i haven't heard too much uh talk about uh has been uh jalen waddle i mean i've seen like him kind of like slide down a little bit on certain people's draft boards so, like you know between 15 16 17 and i feel like he's a solid wide receiver and i think that you know he was playing in an Alabama system that had, you know, Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith. So, I mean, like, you know, it's easy to, you know, kind of like get pushed to, you know, the the shadow a little bit when, you know, your teammate is, you know, over here having like a career year. So, 
I think if he's able to get picked up by a team, he's going to have a huge impact. And I think he could instantly be somebody who uh, in a wide receiver class that I think is pretty, pretty solid overall. It has like a lot of different guys that you can pick from um, with the top guys, obviously being Smith, uh, Devontae Smith and uh, Jamar Chase. I think Waddle is a, a good guy who could potentially, you know, be right up there as maybe you would say the third best uh, wide receiver uh uh prospect but i think that he's not being talked about as heavily as the top two just because you know like i said he played alongside you know the heisman trophy winner for me i'm gonna go with the guy not a lot of people are talking about and that's jeremiah owosu koromoa linebacker out of notre dame he won the buckets award his senior year which is given to the best linebacker in the country he was a unanimous all-american acc defense player of the year first team all acc and he's projecting the first round around pick 20. But for him, he reminds me a lot of Telvin Smith, the former Jaguars linebacker. Not a big linebacker. I think he's only like 6'1", 221 pounds. So that's very small for a linebacker. But he, as, as a linebacker, his explosiveness and speed makes up for his lack of size. And a linebacker who can play basically sideline to sideline and is super versatile. He sized like a safety but can play like a linebacker. So, I mean, he, you want to talk, he has a strength to cover tight ends. He has the speed and quickness to cover slot receivers. So that's why I think any team that can get Jeremiah Wosukoromoa, if, if he can learn their scheme quickly, he would definitely be a huge plug and play in guy for any team. And I think a couple teams that could use him is uh, teams like the Raiders at 17, Dolphins at 18, Washington football team at uh, 19, or even the Cleveland Browns if he slips all the way to 26. So definitely, if you're looking for a linebacker, I mean, I know we talk about Michael Parsons, but sorry, Michael Parsons, um, but Jeremiah Wosukormo, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people this upcoming season. He, like I said, he reminds me a lot of Telvin Smith, but in the way that he plays the game reminds me a lot of Darius Leonard on the Colts who basically plays sideline to sideline, can get you a tackle, will fill the gaps and can uh, cover, cover uh, pretty damn well. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like, you know, you look at uh, his 2020 stats, stats, he played in 12 games, 62 tackles, uh, 11 tackles for a loss. So, I mean, like, the dude's a beast. Like, And he had four, three forced fumbles and an interception. So, I mean, like, he's going to be a monster for whatever team is going to get him as long as he's in the right system, like you said. I feel like with certain players, they have to be in the right system. And sometimes, like, teams will pick them, but if the coach, you know, plays, you know, a different system as far as, like, defense or offense or whatever it is, it might not be the right fit for the player. You know what I mean? So, I think fit is always such a big thing that kind of gets remiss when we talk about the draft, just because not it, it all depends, I think, on yes, the player and yes, their skill set and yes, their mentality and, 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 you know, whether or not they're capable of being a professional on and off the field. But it also depends on whether or not the team is willing to help them and willing to provide them with the, the tools in order to be successful because we've seen a lot of guys that became busts and it really wasn't all their fault. I mean, they, obviously there was some responsibility in it, but if the team isn't helping them to get better or helping them to be able to, you know, meet anywhere close to kind of could be of their potential, then that also falls on the team that drafted them as well. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, he has stuff that you can't teach and that's a high motor and athleticism. So like you said, if he's surrounded by the right people, the right team, I see nothing but success for him. 
Let's move on. Let's talk about the most overhyped prospect you think is going in the first round. Corey, I'll let you go first. Who is it? So it's not that like I, you know, feel like he's overhyped in a sense. I think he's a good quarterback. I think Mac Jones is a good quarterback, but I feel like the fact that he's being talked about going so high, I think is a, it's just like, wow. It's because when you look at the projections uh, prior to, uh, the college football season, like, I don't think he was anywhere close to in anywhere in the conversation for being like, I think top 10, I don't think he was in that top 10 range, but I think the fact that he had a good pro day and I think he had, he had a good season, mind you helped help Alabama win a national championship. He also had a good pro day as well, as far as like, you know, and also was able to showcase his personality, I think, and, and showcase uh, his professionalism um, in the interviews. I think people loved him, uh, in the interviews that's what I, I heard like a lot of different experts saying like he did really well with his draft interviews so I think that is going to benefit him but whether or not he is going to be a Christian Ponder level type quarterback or or, or 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 like you know hey Christian Hackenberg Christian Hackenberg you know like some of these guys that have had like a lot of potential but just didn't pan out and it's not to say again it's not a knock on them it's just to say that there's a difference between dominating in college and being great in college and being, you know, just good in the NFL. Like it's hard to be good in the NFL. So, I mean, uh, I'm intrigued to see what Mac Jones does. I would love to eat my words. I would love for him to be like, you know, a top tier quarterback in the NFL and just become, you know, all pro and, you know, future hall of famer or something like that. That'd be great. But just, just from what I've seen as far as the hype that's surrounding him, I just think it's a little overrated. That's just me. It's crazy. Well, for, first, before I get to my most overhyped prospect, it's crazy how the drafts and mock drafts, how, well, first of all, how much power mock drafts have on the exactly. actual draft exactly. and they do. They do. how much change a mock draft has. And I feel like sometimes these writers and analysts just do it for clicks. Cause we're talking about after the national championship game, we talked about Devonte Smith a guy who had 200 plus yards in the first half of the national championship game to go along with three touchdowns, breaking records in the national championship game, winning a Heisman is out here projected as a top five pick. Now we're the day of mock drafts have him going around 10, which is like absolutely insane to think of. And I think it's just literally because analysts and writers, they get bored of writing the same old, same old. And they're like, okay, what am I going to do next? That's going to mix things up to you know get me clicks get me get me to be talked about like you want to talk about the chris sims i don't know if you saw the chris sims mock draft he has justin fields falling all the way to 32 yeah yeah, i've seen a lot of people say that i've seen a lot of people say justin fields is falling in the draft which i'm like i don't know what i don't know where that where did that come from like where did that come from that's what i'm saying so i mean i don't know what chris sims is on but i probably need his plug because that's probably some good ass (laughs) shit that he's on but um yeah, it's just insane to me how like prospects are literally just wavering up and down, up and down. And we're talking about a span of the last game of the college football season up until the draft, when literally anything that's in between is it's their draft no combine or, or it's been the pro day. Literally yeah. no games have been played. All you're being tested is athleticism. That's literally and like mechanics and anything like that, which you can clearly see in game tape as well. So it, it's crazy to me that, that you know they just fluctuate like crazy um but sorry that was a little tangent but that's because my most overhyped prospect is i'm going with the same as you as mac jones this guy was projected second round you we had kyle trask the 
the quarterback from Florida being projected yes. higher than him yeah, yeah. Uh, at, at the season end. And now we're talking about Mac Jones going potentially as high as number three overall to the San Francisco 49ers. So, I mean, I get it. He had one full, like full starting season at Alabama, which he had an amazing year throwing 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, only four interceptions, one national championship. So, I mean, he had a hell of a season, but mind you, the players surrounding him had the best <laughs> running back in the league or sorry, in the nation in Najee Harris, who was great running after the catch after catching it out of the backfield two potentially top 10 picks at wide receiver, including the Heisman winner, Devonte Smith. And, uh, and then you have Jalen Waddle, but Devonte Smith basically unguardable in uh, college. And then uh, so, so kind of his one year is hard to evaluate in, in a sense where you're literally potentially this is a make or break pick for your entire franchise, but this is a QB driven league. And that's why teams are so desperate to get young promising quarterbacks. And that's why literally some of these mock drafts have four to five quarterbacks going in the top eight picks in the draft. So, cause it's yeah, a very quarterback. Three. Yeah. 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 The top exactly. three is all quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's such a big quarterback driven league and that's why i guess they're willing to reach for a guy like mac jones based off his senior year at alabama because i in my opinion like we already talked about before i think there's quarterbacks in this draft class that have higher ceilings in justin fields and trey lance but uh mac jones is sitting over here and it's a real possibility that he goes number three overall so it's just crazy to me and it baffles me how the fluctuation of their projection just literally changes like that in between the last game of the college football um, season to the upcoming draft. So it, it's, it's crazy to me. Yeah. Same thing. Like with like Zach Wilson, like he was also having like high projections about him, but I'm seeing him fall off, you know, from out of being like in the conversation of being like one of those top tier quarterbacks that get selected to now maybe being top 10, maybe being, you know, mid first round. It's like, it's crazy how, like, like you said, the power of the mock draft, especially who does the mock draft. Like if it's like a well-known reporter like Mel Kuyper or, you know, anybody like. Mel Kuyper is a joke. Yeah. Like anybody, any off of anybody off of like uh, NFL network or anything like that, it is going to have some weight to it. And it's crazy because I don't know necessarily if it's, just the, the the fact of like the hype with it that comes with it or you know because a lot of these a lot of these you know reporters or whatever they, they they have their favorites of who they want to see get go higher in the draft you know they they obviously have their favorites of guys of like who they feel like they would select if they were a gm of this team or that team or whatever which you know it's perfectly fine but i mean like um i i just think that it's just amazing to me that you know off of just one lone season and also like if the, if you love the fact that he did so well, if he sold you on his interviews, if he did that well in the interview process, then hey, go ahead and select him. And I'm not saying again, I'm not saying Mac Jones is a bad guy, and I'm not saying any of these guys are necessarily bad guys as far as we know. But just just from what I see happening, I feel like this is he's being set up to fail, unfortunately, because he's gonna get taken high, in the sense in the sense of like. I feel like if he if he goes number three to forty to the 49ers, there's no way he can fail. Like the only way he fails is because of himself because they're surrounding him with amazing pieces. I feel like the hype that's surrounding him though is like is like crazy. And then if if he if he doesn't reach anywhere close to the expectations, it's gonna people are gonna be like talking about him like he's the next Sam Darnold, which 
Or AJ McCarron coming exactly. out of my Alabama. Thing with, my thing, like with Sam Darnold, is it's not just Sam Darnold, it's the team that he went to as well, like the Jets organization. So I'm like, it's 50 50 there. And yes, some people go like to one extreme. Some people blame it all on the Jets. Some people blame it all on Sam Darnold. They just like, no, he's bad. He's bad. He's bad. You know, he's not that good. Or they just be like, oh, no, the Jets ruined him. You know, it's all the Jets' fault. But it has to be 50 50. Otherwise, you know, I think some guys, they just are able to overcome the fact that they're on bad teams, they're in bad systems. One example, Matthew Stafford, even though he was in a, a terrible environment with the Detroit Lions, he still put up career numbers. He still was able to put them in winning situations, still was able to lead them and in, in, in get them uh, in a position to be able to win through, uh, however long he was able to stay healthy. But I think like... Uh, for some guys, it's just it's just difficult for you have a young guy going to an organization and they're literally saying, you're the face of our franchise. Go out, lead us to glory. And it's like, OK, <laughs> now what? It's like giving a baby like uh, an expensive sports car. It's like, OK, what what the heck is a baby going to do with a car like that? I think another good example of like the mock drafts, you know, shifting so much is the conversation, the comparison of Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. Because th- there's this thing that Bill Simmons talks about, which is really funny. It's called the alien test. And the alien test is basically if you brought aliens from outer space and brought them in to watch the last season of the college football um, season, and you base the draft off of that, you're like, all right, are we going to go with a guy who is coming off a broken ankle had 500, almost 600 yards total in the season and four touchdowns? Or are we going to go with the Heisman winning wide receiver who had over 1,800 yards and 23 touchdowns his senior year? And the crazy thing is, it's like, okay, obviously you're going to go with the Heisman winner who yada, 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 Devontae Smith. But the crazy thing is, is we have a lot of people ranking Devontae Smith as the number three wide receiver and Jalen Waddle as the number two receiver in this draft class, which is, I mean, it's, it's crazy to say that. And I, a lot of people are saying it's because of the frame of Devonte Smith. He's, he's very light, but I mean, Jalen Waddle's five, nine, five, 10, 180 pounds. So, I mean, is there a real <laughs> big difference? So, I mean, it, it's crazy to me. And that's why he, I was going to put him as one of my overhyped prospects is Jalen Waddle just because of that reason, but I'm, and, and again, I'm not saying they're bad players. These guys w- could turn out to have great NFL careers and it won't be surprising to me at all, but I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things on paper, it's, it's, it's literally just comes down to the mock drafts and what the media is saying that. And it's crazy how much that influences the actual NFL draft. So it, it, it's crazy to see. All right, but that's going to wrap up this episode of the NFL. Hope y'all enjoy our draft day episode. And hopefully your team makes some good picks and isn't like the Packers last year, you know, getting uh, Jordan Love, you know, when they could have got Justin Jefferson. But sorry, Packer fans. But that's going to wrap it up. Make sure you guys are following us on social media at the underscore nosebleeds on Twitter. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds on Instagram. The nosebleeds on Facebook the, the nosebleed podcast we're on spotify apple podcast if you're on apple podcast you like what you heard shoot us five star rating writers a review uh if you're feeling generous it really helps us out Corey, any last words before draft day i mean 
the most entertaining thing that would be funny is if like the Jacksonville Jaguars decided to trade the number one overall pick like in the movie draft day and then <laughs> like that would be like the stupidest and craziest thing ever to do that and then somehow be able to flip it and get the number one overall pick back yo that would just be crazy yo like if, if that if, like because I was watching that movie the other day and I'm like yo that movie is so stupid because yeah. like what GM trades the number one pick and then like totally just flips it and then you select the player uh that you were gonna get anyway <laughs> so it's like yo that's just insane and it's like you said there's so many things that play into what these teams do and uh ultimately we don't necessarily know what these guys are gonna look like but man on, on a spectrum where it's like one decision can change your franchise draft day in the nfl is that is 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 that moment and there's been so many moments in the nfl's history where a team went into the draft not looking like a contender and came out of it and they're like yo we we got this we got a squad yeah make sure y'all let us know how your team did if you guys liking what your team picked if not and how you liked our grading of uh, if we talked about your team in the NFL offseason. Let us know. Make sure y'all are following us, like I said. But other than that, we out. Deuces.